And welcome to Pods Like Us. I'm Martin Crabell, known to my friends as Marv. And this time, I, I'm not going to hide my excitement about this. I'm really excited to speak with Brady Roberts and Mike. How do you pronounce your surname, Mike? You were so close by saying, how do you? It's Howaran. <laughs> and when I listen to you both, I can hear the narrator and Noah straight away. So we're talking about, well, among other things, the, the fantastic audio drama series, Escape in Denver. Hey, guys, thanks for speaking with me today. Thanks for having us. So how did you both start working together? Because, I mean, you've done a lot of great projects together. And so how did that get started? Well, yeah, it was the Nightwing project. We, we were just talking about that before we came on here. But so we did a web series based on the DC comics character Nightwing and um, uh, our producing partner, Matthew Paul, who's the third guy in our company, who's not, not here today. Uh, him and I were working together on that. And then Matt brought Mike in They where they were working together on, was it Supernatural, Mike? Back then, yeah, we were both right. production assistants on on Supernatural, and he gave me wow. a call and said, "Do you want to write a superhero thing?" And I said, "Not really." And he said, "Well, you're yeah. going to," and it <laughs> became uh, uh, the beginning of this entire relationship, really. Yeah, and so now we've been working together for eight or nine years, I guess, the three of us. Many projects later. So, do you think, Mike, that through the experience of being placed into that position, where it's sort of a case of, well, that is what you're going to do. Do you think that, in a, in, a, in a sense, is a good thing for somebody who's creative and a writer to be almost like, it's like pushing yourself to do these things so that when then, then when you are creating things that are completely of your own, you're then able to push through and get those ideas through a lot easier because you've got that experience of just pushing through and doing things that weren't your idea originally. I think I, I'm blessed to be working with Brady and Matthew, who always have a, a never ceasing amount of support. So whenever we change genres or change from live action to children's ca a cartoon, they've supported me through that process. And I don't think there's any point where I've really questioned uh, trying something new. It's exciting. You know, truthfully, I thought I'd only write rom-coms and that has, I've yet to write a single rom-com. Uh, you know, we have the conspiracy thriller of Escaping Denver, comedy, paper champions, uh, action superhero with Nightwing. Um, it's, you never say no. It's exciting to say yes in this industry. And when you're a creative, you look for opportunities to be motivated and for people to say yes. So I say yes. You never know, Mike. The call from Hallmark might be coming. <laughs> they, they do film, film a lot of those here, right? So yeah, that could be that could be the next one, Mike. I didn't say I was good at writing rom coms. Uh, <laughs> I just said I would be writing rom coms. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised because, as you were saying, we were talking before we before we started officially. We were talking about the other projects that you've done and there's a variety there everything that you've done i don't think there's 
I don't think there's, is there a connective tissue between them? Because they're all different genre-wise. Yeah, I, I guess there there isn't really. You know, I think it's just yeah. the, 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 the fun that we have is just figuring out, like, we'll just get inspiration for something one day and just start doing it. You know what I mean? Like we have some other projects that we're developing and, and some other stuff with some other writers and stuff now too. That's just like, they're really all over the place. We have com. we just, uh, you know, Mike just wrote a great script for a comma half hour comedy sitcom. We have a kids animated series that we developed. We have, like I said, escaping Denver's this conspiracy thriller. We've done action. We did, you know, some supernatural, like all sorts of stuff. And it's just because, that's just what we felt like doing that day. And we didn't want to put ourselves in the box of being like, oh, we only make this one genre. We were like, no, we want to do whatever we feel creatively inspired by. I think I think a big connective tissue in all these projects is when Brady gets excited about something, he, you know, he can't stop. He is the yeah. seed that refuses to stop growing. Yeah. So it's it's impossible not to for have it to be a little bit contagious, uh, especially when he gets really into a project. So I think there, a big connective tissue is at having somebody on your team who's relentless. Yes, <laughs> and annoying. But I mean, it runs it runs everything in character wise as well. So you've got this conspiracy theory with with Noah, and then wow, I've, I've I'm not going to give it away, but that twist at the end that was like a. Uh, I mean, I'm going to swear here. That was like a holy shit moment. You're like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> Noah's favorite line, yeah, yeah, and so um, so you've got that, and then in something like Paper Champions, that's more of a ensemble piece essentially, and more of a a human piece where you've got this human interaction and people um, sort of like with each other, and it's more about them getting used to each other and and becoming friendly with each other and that sort of thing. So it's more of a heart, you know, one of those sort of shows instead of that so like i said it's it's a variety of things that you that you do yeah i, I think never want to be fun, uh, the fun of it oh, go ahead mate. i was just gonna say we never really like brady said we never want to be limited and yeah. we capitalize on our own personal experiences paper champions is brady coming up as a as a professional wrestler yeah. and so he had this background and you can't help but want to exploit that you can't help but want to dig into that you know i'm not i wasn't a creator on paper champions that was brady and a, another writer named matthew ewart uh, i came in as a writer and i was happy to do so it was a very cool cool project yeah and you got those really great uh, well well put together different characters in there as well that you yeah. can write for because you've got those different emotional reactions that people have and writing to those and making it more of an ensemble makes it completely different and then i think some of the fun with with this show escaping denver is when we started talking about it we realized that like you know i really love all this conspiracy stuff, watching Bigfoot documentaries, UFO shows also. And then Mike is more of a skeptic. So we kind of bounced that off of each other. And that was great when coming up with all this stuff for the show. And, you know, Mike writes the scripts and I just throw weird conspiracies at him to like put into the show. But that balance is nice too, because it's, I think if we both had the same, um, uh, I guess, thoughts on all that stuff in, in real life, it might not work, but because you have sort of a believer and a skeptic working uh, together, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I've got to say that, I mean, before listening to Escape in Denver, 
I didn't think that I'd be listening to a show and suddenly smiling and thinking, oh, how cute must a baby Bigfoot be? Exactly. That's one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Melanchi, the, the, the beautiful baby Bigfoot. We thought there had to be baby Bigfoot in order for there to be big Bigfoot. And so uh, it seemed only natural that we'd get our own, you know, our own Grogu moment uh, and have, uh, have uh, something adorable in such a dark, dark place. Absolutely. So what was your inspiration then behind uh, doing it as a podcast, as an audio drama? I mean, was that the original intention for it to be that? Well, there were definitely like seeds of an idea previously, but the what, what happened is, is when the pandemic hit, we had to shift everything, right? So yep. at the time we had been um, pitching other TV shows yep. and basically, you know, we were having meetings with networks and stuff. And then the pandemic hit in, what was that? 20, 2020. 2020. Yeah. 2020. Oh my God. Yeah. In March. Seems like, then, yeah. seems like nearly four years, years ago. ago. Yeah. It's terrifying. And so everyone shut their development down, right? Because no one knew how long this thing was going to go. So suddenly all these meetings we've been having, everything was just dead. So we had to sit down and say, what can we do right now? What's realistic to do right now? And I, at the time I was listening to uh, Rami Malek's Blackout podcast. Yeah. Matt, who we produced with, he likes old radio plays and stuff. So we talked about kind of doing that. And I knew some people in the audio world uh, just through whatever, working together and stuff. And so, you know, that's kind of where the seed of this, this came from was like looking at our, looking at our other ideas and saying, which of these will work as an audio drama? Um, because it was really our only option. We couldn't really go film something during the pandemic. Uh, everything was kind of locked down. So, but we could record in a closet with a microphone, right? So. But it works wonderfully. Cause I mean, the, the crew that you've got behind it and then the voice cast as well. It is, I mean, I've, I've said it before with other people I've spoken with about audio dramas, that there's something brilliant about being able to just, it's like listening to old time radio dramas back in the day as well, where if it's made really well, you lose yourself in it. And you. it's it's like the sounds, the voices, and then the descriptive of what the, when they're talking to each other and saying, oh, look, this there's that, and this, that, and the other. If you can immerse yourself in there, and everybody's done a great job. I think it's amazing. It's a different type of experience completely to any other media that there is. It's, uh, as Brady said, it was the, we looked at our projects and it was which ones would work as an audio drama, but which ones would also be too expensive for us to produce right now. And, and we realized that we were lim limitless in this world of audio. As long as we could describe it, as long as we could put a sound to it, it could exist. And that sandbox to play in just became all too much fun. You say old time radio. I mean, a large percentage, and it grows season by season, of our sound effects are done by a couple of us in a room using miscellaneous items to try to get it done. I mean, every, you know, not to break the fourth wall, but, you know, our sounds of walking through vents involves the use of a washing machine. And we wanted to make sure there was this we were connected to what we were creating as much as we possibly can. And so we were having a blast trying to create these sound effects, less so for the creatures. Uh, try as I might, they refuse to let me be a voice of a creature. They say people will tell, uh, but I, I believe in myself. There's, we have a five season arc for this story. And so one day, one day I'll get to creature it up. 
I, I mean, you say that about, you know, being expensive for television, but I mean, what one piece of news I noticed was the fact that that is being looked into at the moment, television for Escape in Denver. Yeah, so we're developing the concept uh, on basically on how we would do this as a TV show um, and starting to shop that, of course, just like when we hit the pandemic with the original podcast, we also hit a big writer strike this this past year, which is now wrapped up. So uh, as we announced that we had signed a deal to start shopping the TV version, the writer strike happened. And then again, all development was shut down. So I feel like every time we start doing something, it just gets shut down. So we we don't have a lot of news on that right now, but hopefully now that the new year is is begun and everyone's back in the office and the strike is over, we could start to have those conversations again. But I mean, I mean, it works to me as a television idea in a sense because of also then with the television show, it, it, in a sense, the relationship between Noah and Sarah is almost like, I mean, I, I hate to say this because it's like comparing apples to oranges in, in a way as well, but it's almost like the uh, Mulder and Scully of X-Files yeah. in the relationship-wise and you have got the one who believes and the one who's a bit of a skeptic as well in there. Yeah. And X-Files is a huge influence for sure. And yeah. And I think also like we're trying to build a world where we can play in and tell other stories in that world too, right? The, the collective is this big overarching villain that, you know, they may have facilities all over the world, right? There's a big organization, shadow, shadow organization. So I think there's a lot of different stories we could tell in that same world. We get very excited about the, you know, the idea of adapting it into different mediums and being able to tell completely different stories that best suit that medium. Whether it's a novel, a graphic novel, television, movie, whatever it is, we've created a sandbox for us ourselves to play in where the world of escaping Denver and the collective uh, can exist outside of Noah and Sarah. There's other stories to tell in that terrifying labyrinth, for sure. Essentially, you've started your own franchise. That's that's the hope for sure. And I, I will say, I will say that we we have some we have some exciting meetings coming right up. Some of them, some of them this week, Martin. So hopefully, I'll have some news for you at some point. Wow! <laughs> Breaking news! Breaking news! Yeah. Hey, this is Jeff Cummings from the Best Song Podcast the show that is telling the stories of every song nominated for the Academy Award. You're listening to Pods Like Us. This is Mac Jackson from the Forever Adventure Network, the home of the MacGyver podcast, the Never Gets Old podcast, and the MacGyver SG-1 audio series. And you're listening to Pods Like Us. So what was the initial story outline that you had? And then how did you go from that to honing the script and the hide, the idea for the five seasons? Great. Yeah. Great idea. I, I don't know if I even remember what the, I mean, it, it's a lot of kind of sitting around smashing ideas against each other's heads. So Brady, like we said, had a full head full of steam about the Denver airport. Yeah. You know, it's the new Area 51. It's Area 52. Nobody's talking about it. We should be talking about it. And it wasn't necessarily that it started as we should make an idea about this. It was that Brady had just invested a lot of time and energy into it. And then, you know, it started to throw around ideas about what could exist. Imagine being trapped there. 
what would it be to get out? We talk about how difficult it is to get in. What would it be to get out? Uh, and so our initial our initial pass of the story uh, was just them trapped beneath there. And, and then we started to weave in what other conspiracy theories or mythos might lend itself to the story. And then it started to become how do we start weaving together intentionally all of these loose threads of conspiracy theories and and myth and cryptids that are out there? And how can we start tying them together into one singular story? Uh, and then that's what led us to our, our five season arc. We knew we knew and we know what our last two episodes are exactly. We know exactly where we're ending. And so each season, Brady and I sit down and talk about what we want to make sure the season has in terms of representing the things we want to hit, the conspiracy theories, the, the mythos, and making sure we're pushing our story along the way we want. But from day one, we've known what the last two episodes of season five are. And that's been very comforting because we know we're building towards something specific, something that you know we might not have ever had the chance to do in television. But the level of control that Curious Cast has given us to tell our story means that we can tell exactly our story. And so it's been a lot of fun. We've planted seeds the whole way along uh, to lend ourselves to this, to get ourselves to this fifth season. And we did that so that you could re-listen and find new things and discover, oh no, they said that in season one. They dropped that hint in season one. I've known about this for this long and it didn't seem important. We've weaved that in because we wanted there to be a reward for re-listening all the way along. Yeah. And, then, and then you caught me out as well because so I thought I'd listened to all of the other than the the behind the scenes chats that you have. I thought I'd actually listened to everything, and then all of a sudden I noticed I was scrolling through, thinking, "Oh no, it's the end of this season now. I don't know what I'm going to do." And then I noticed this like little extra file that you had of the character of Noah uh, doing his own podcast, essentially. And then I listened to that, and it was like a Oh, how does that affect this, this, and this then? Because of what he says in that podcast. Yeah, and I think that's again like some of the fun is playing with stuff like that. We came up with this idea to do to to find you know because we talked about how Noah is this conspiracy nut, right? Yeah. And of course, before podcasts, there was you know internet radio twenty years ago and stuff, and internet a lot of blogs and stuff like that. So we're like, what if someone finds that that stuff, right? A lot of a lot of stuff now is like archived on the internet. You can find old websites and stuff like that. So that was just a fun thing, and, and being able to like drop little nuggets of information that might come into play or have already come into play from Noah's little tapes. And also, it was just another thing where I could talk about conspiracies that I like. So, <laughs> yeah. So how did you choose the cast and the people that you use? I, I will before I go go before I miss this, I was applauding you when you were talking about making your own sound effects. I'm a huge fan of people who do Foley work. It's amazing. It's incredible. And thankfully, we have access to an incredible Foley library uh through through our partnership with Curious Cast, but there's something more satisfying and also it just fits better when we make our own sound effects and it's kind of, it, it's, it's very exciting for us to feel like we get to MacGyver. It's one thing to write the scripts, uh, but the sound effects, I write the scripts without ever thinking about who's got to make the sound effects. Yeah. And then, you know, that's the future Mike has to get to deal with that 
problem. And it's very exciting to just look around the room and think, well, what could be a ladder? Sometimes a ladder. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, I mean, does future Mike look, look, look at the script and think, oh, hell, I've got to find somebody to play this character that I've just created now and then, or do you hear that character in your head when you're writing them? Brady does, without a doubt, the 99% of the, the casting for the show. Yeah. We, did, we had an audition process trying to find our Sarah trying to hone in on that voice. She wasn't inherently Australian, but we loved uh, Greta's voice. And so it became, that's Sarah. We heard it, it fit. Uh, we didn't have quite the audition process with a lot of other people because Brady is in this world of all these actors. And so he has a lot of incredibly talented friends uh, that he can call upon. And as the show has developed, those friends you know, are more and more eager to participate, I guess. And we're getting... I mean, the voice talent we had in, in batch three is incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. Paul Lazenby, Sachin Sahil, who, who else we had this season? Oh, I mean, uh, yeah. Adam Koslick plays Alan. So, so good. So good. We, we just, uh, were hanging out with him the other day. We gave, gave them some cast gifts for being a part of season three, which was really fun. Yeah. A bunch of uh, different WWE wrestlers. I have a lot of friends in the wrestling world that I uh, bother into being in the podcast. And yeah, now that the show is really is successful. Now I have a lot of actor friends that just want to do a voice in the show just because, you know, actors, actors are always looking to play different roles and have fun with different stuff. And, and now they know it's like a real thing and it's not just, uh, you know, my mom listening to it or something, but yep. you know, once they know it's successful, they, they want to be a part of it. But it's funny because at the beginning also like, you know, between with me voicing Noah and Mike voicing the narrator, that was a lot of that was also just due to kind of necessity of like, when you're making a fiction podcast, as anyone listening to this has done, you typically don't have any money or very little money. So it's easy. It's easier to keep your crew really small and yep. since me and Mike are always going to be there anyway, like we, you know, it was out of necessity that we voice these characters. The narrator character, I think, was originally meant to be a little bit smaller. That character sort of grew. So I think, you know, Mike likes to, he says he's not an actor. I think he's a fantastic actor. But so we sort of force him to uh, act in all of our projects, but he's, you know, killed it as the narrator. And now that character has grown a little bit. Obviously, that character has his own sort of storyline now. And then, like Mike said with Greta, we um I had met Greta like once at my gym, and I knew she I knew she was an actor. And so I asked her to audition for the role. And she auditioned in her American accent. She's from Australia, but she does standard American accent for all of her TV and film stuff here. Yeah. And then we listened to it and we thought, so I asked her again, I said, could you actually redo the audition, but do it in your natural Australian accent. Yep. And we liked how that sounded so much that we just changed it to where she was from Australia. So she, um, so she could just do that accent. Um, and now of course, without spoiling, but if you've heard season three, you get to hear both of her accents in, in that season. Yes. Like I said, I'm not spoiling anything that's, yep. that's in there at all because there is a hell of a twist there in the second half of season three, for sure. Yeah. And it's a nice way to, to be able to kind of distinguish too, because it's just audio, right? We can't see her. So when we do that, that twist, it's a cool way to be able to tell what's, what's happening with the different accent, right? Yeah. yeah. 
not to the same degree, but it's almost like the twist in um, From Dust Till Dawn, essentially, where you get to the middle of the film and then suddenly it becomes a different thing altogether. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. But, I mean, yeah, the, Finding Greta was, was, was amazing because it's like there's voices where there's a reason why there's certain people that are always chosen for certain certain like projects like audio dramas and things like that because she has a voice that is really expressive um and it has this sort of like almost like a, a warmth there but also it's weird because trying to explain it to to some people some people might not get that get it but there's something about when you've got a good voice like that you can hear that someone is kick-ass yeah. as a person, and she can get that across just with the voice, and you don't need the visuals that you'd have in television and film. They express it in the way that they actually emote through their voice. Oh, absolutely. It's, her voice is why we asked for the for the more authentic audition from her, because we could hear it in her voice. There was something there. We just wanted it to be her. Uh, you know, there's nothing more satisfying to me when directing episodes of when we get to have Brady and Greta doing scenes together, recording together, there's a rhythm there. It feels like music and I'm not a musical person or I can't play an instrument and I certainly can't sing, but there is something, there's this rhythm that they can get into that. I just, I fall in love with. I love when they get to be together. It's why I try to keep them apart because I don't want to ruin how magical it is. Uh, every time they get together and record together, it's incredible. They're both at their best and they both bring the best out of each other when they're recording and they get into this, this groove that is better than it was in my head, which is, you know, what you always, always hope for as a writer, you know, you want to be proven wrong in the best way. That's another thing is because you're actually recording together as well. Yeah. Whereas in a lot of audio dramas, you'll record separate to each other and then the tracks are placed there. This way, because you're recording together and I'm guessing sometimes with some of the other cast as well, where you because then you get the interaction and these little moments where you'll react to the way that somebody else is phrasing the line as opposed to you trying to record to dead air and guessing what the other person is going to be doing this way, you're reacting to the way that they are actually performing there with you at the same time. Yeah. We try as much as possible. We, we do have some cast members through the seasons that don't live in Vancouver. So we've had to record them separately and place them in, but as much as possible, we try to do big recording sessions together in, in our little home studio. Um, and it's just, you know, as I trained in, in voice acting at Vancouver Acting School and stuff, and it's just like voice acting is it is no different than acting on film and TV and almost like a little bit harder because you only ha have the tool of your voice. So the ability to be in the room with the other actor actually playing that scene out is so awesome because sometimes when you're recording on your own, it, it does feel a little bit... Um, like, like it's like, it's missing a soul or something, right? Like yeah. there's something that's just missing there. So when you're in the room with the person, it's just, you're just acting out the scene like you would if you were shooting a TV show or a movie, just in a more confined space. But um, like you said, it just allows you to really actually play off of each other. Right. So it feels so much more real because it, it is. Yeah. And I, I record alone yeah. in that soulless <laughs> closet, apparently. Sure. But, but at least, I mean, the, the narrator, 
is, is alone. His own. No, right? absolutely. So it, and know. it does feel different. I can't yeah. imagine uh, having to do a dialogue scene by myself yeah. in the closet. Yeah. Yeah. That, that may change. We, we, we'll see what happens in batch four. Exactly. Absolutely. But yeah, you're, you're right. Cause I mean, I did, um, I did voice acting for the, the Icarus complex, uh, another audio drama. And that was done just me in a room on my own. And you're right. When I was doing that, it, it felt really strange because I'm just there doing these lines and I, I can read the lines that are being read to me. Oh, oh, did I? Yeah. I've read a couple of the lines that were being read by the other person, but those those bits where I didn't have any lines to come off of, and I was just reading the lines that were there in front of me, it felt really strange. Whenever we have an actor record, having to record their portion of a scene by themselves for whatever reason, we always do a couple of tapes where I read the other lines. Okay. But uh, because I always get far too into it, we end up can't we can't use those recordings because you can hear me cutting them off every line or cutting each other off because you want that when you record live. You want them on top of each other the way that real conversations happen and it doesn't feel natural when everyone has to record separately. It feels like you're imposing them on top of each other instead of naturally, as happened during this conversation here, when two of us talk at the same time, there's that stutter stop where one of us stops to, you're going to, Oh, we're both going to go. There's that that naturally happens that you can't fake when you're trying to put people on top of each other. And that's why, again, I love it when Brady and Greta get to be in this room at the same time. Yeah. That's one of the things I love about old, uh, old, should we say, um, questionable films from back in the day where you'd have people doing the whole line and then you get the weight and the response line. And it's like, that doesn't really feel natural. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm Mr. X. And I'm Caleb. Of the Mackie Rat, Rat Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> and you're listening to Pods Like Us with Marv. Hey, this is Chris from Podtastic Audio, the show that I have created to help you create your amazing podcast. And you are listening to Pods Like Us. I don't know whether you'd be interested. I chatted with, uh, I don't know if you know him, Nicholas Tukoski. Uh, and he he writes for Aaron Mankey. Okay. And he's also written a couple of films as well. What did he write? He, he was the one who wrote uh, Siren and some other things as well. And he's an actor. And it's just a little bit that when I was speaking with him, he mentioned something and I just thought, I just thought I'd, I'd sort of get your sort of response to this in a sense, because he was saying that when he writes... One of the things that he does is he just said, he just said, he goes, just write it. He said, because essentially he says, even if there's a load of crap in there, when you've written it, you can do something about that later. Just get the idea down there and then smooth it out afterwards. And I just thought, I thought it was incredible bit of, bit of advice for people. Yeah. I think it's, if you can just get it done, I, for me, my process involves a lot of walking Yep. I, I argue in my head about the story for a while. I have those conversations of the characters. I try to live in it for a minute. And then when I sit down and write, I'm able to punch out 10 pages because it's already established in my head how it's going to go down. Uh, not necessarily line by line because there's a, a give and take or a conversation being had in the writing. But I agree, if you can get it done, you can edit it later. But sometimes, sometimes I'll stop myself 
in the writing process because it's a narrator scene. And I'm not quite sure what I want out of the narrator scene. And it's taken, you know, I'm now writing season four of it for me to realize that when I hit those uh, speed bumps, sometimes I just write a note in the script. Okay, this is kind of what I'm thinking for the narrator, kind of what I'm thinking I want to get to in the scene. And then I move on with my story with the parts I already know. And then I can go back and if something I've rewritten changes something forward, but you can always edit afterwards. But getting it done, getting it to, again, getting it to completion allows you the luxury of going back to edit. If you're editing yourself the entire way along, it's it's real hard to make it to the end. And I, I think if you're just writing, get, get to the end of the episode. I always get to the end of the episode before I head back and look at it. But usually there's a, if you just start writing, there becomes a natural flow. And with the, with the podcast, I can tell script page wise how long an episode is going to be, you know, if it's a, if it's a page of monologue, I know it's going to be a minute and 50 seconds. If it's a dialogue between Sarah and uh, Sarah and uh, Greta and Brady, I know it's going to be 44 seconds. I, I, you start to figure out the timing of things and how long things are. And for me going in, I know, well, I don't want this scene to be longer than three and a half minutes. And I know that because I want to move the story along. I don't want to linger on it. And so I, for me, yeah, just get to the end and then you can go back and edit that's, so you, that's proper advice. So when you're doing the narrative bit at the end, then, do you um, do you not sort of like react? Do you sort of like not write it? And then when you come to listening to it, do you not sort of slightly alter what the narrator's saying or how you put it across according to what you've heard from the recording? I, I think Kevin Smith said it, that when you're the writer and you're acting your own words, you can do whatever you want because it's technically a rewrite. Uh, so I limit myself significantly less to my own script because as I'm saying it, sometimes the narrator's a, a lot of these little monologues and I'm not an actor. And so sometimes my own writing is a mouthful for myself. And then I start figuring out a natural way to say it. Sometimes genuinely while recording, it'll be take four and I've lost myself on the page, but I've done it three times. So I know roughly what I want to say, but the, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily improvise too, too much. Uh, we don't name the episodes traditionally until it's been recorded. We name the episodes usually in the edit. Um, because it just feels more natural to come up with the most it's, it's like naming a baby before it comes out, yeah. fine. But if you name the baby after it's come out, maybe that name suits it better. And so I, I don't name the episodes as we go along. We, uh, they're just numbered. But after we edit it, we think about it. And we think, what what is the most suitable? What is the takeaway from this? Yeah. So you're listening to it and doing the edit. And then during the edit, something will jump out at you. And you'll be like, there, that's where the title comes from. That's that's the takeaway. That's the piece I need them to know or the piece I want them to question. So welcome to and volume for all a deeply reverent and lovingly irreverent exploration of the history, philosophy and future of the greatest music in the world. Heavy metal. I am your cinnamon host crunch, I guess. Quinn. Hey, this is Ross. Simon and Thomas. From Who Takes the Socks Off podcast, the show that answers the questions you didn't even know you needed the answers to. You're listening to Marv, the one-man podcasting machine. On Pods Like Us.
But uh, so, yeah, choosing the cast and the crew. So I don't think I really need to ask this next one of why choose a conspiracy-based story with a supernatural element, because that's, I'm guessing that's Brady through and through with his love of those things. Yeah, and I think it's just also um, in terms of the ability to play with some of these creatures, like tying in Bigfoot and UFOs and chupacabras and all the stuff that we've done to, like I personally hadn't seen a lot of that stuff like melded together into one story. And I thought that that was a lot of fun. And then the thing that that Mike does really well too is like, he'll listen to, to the conspiracy that I pitch him. And then it's like, okay, how could we put that conspiracy in the show, but put our own twist on it? Why is it, it's true, but it's true for a reason that you didn't think so, right? So that we're not just rehashing those same stories, right? So that was fun. And then also, like like he said too, the, the uh, location of the Denver airport had not been explored in TV and film. You know, Area 51 has been done a million times. Roswell has been done a million times, but Denver had not been touched. And I thought that was really interesting. And because of that, we've actually gotten a lot of press. We just did another news story, uh, Denver 7, last week, which was cool. So, yeah, it was just like just a a location that we were excited about, the ability to tie in these other conspiracies together. And then how can we take two really, you know, human characters and place them into this sort of um, larger than life kind of mystery. Right. But I mean, mean, you are you are getting that. It makes me laugh in a way or makes me smile, really, because you are getting that sort of like backing from. The authorities at Denver as well, where they're sort of like, uh-huh. you'll post things and they'll repost your show, essentially, and they're pushing it. And I think that's incredible. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad that they're excited about it and not, um, you know, upset about it or so, because I think they know they know we're having fun. We've chatted with them a few times. They've offered to tour us uh, in the tunnels of, of the airport, which sounds scary. Uh, so, yeah, so it sounds yeah, like a trap. It sounds yeah. like a trap and we're not we're not going for it. no. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good. We, we got to do, we got to be a part of the Dan, uh, Denver fan expo. We were guests there. We did a little panel on our show there and yeah, we've done a few news stories, some, some newspaper stuff, some, some stuff on the news. We did a magazine article there as well. So lots of support in the Denver area. Yeah. But watch out going in those tunnels underneath because there's all di- every, every door you go through, there's something different. <laughs> well, well, we'll let you know in advance if we, if we go down there. So if we don't come back, that, we'll let everybody guess, know in advance yeah. if we're going down there. Then I guess, Martin, you will be narrating the story of us <laughs> being lost in the tunnels underneath Denver. Wouldn't that be something? Um, yeah. So, so yeah, the recording and editing, though. So you do that in your own little own, own studio, essentially. And then uh, what about editing? Is that like Pro Tools or something? It's, it's Pro Tools. We use Pro Tools. Um, none of us have a background in audio. Uh, so it's been a very steep and wonderful learning curve, but we are thankfully backed by our producers at Curious Cast, uh, Rob Johnson and uh, Dila Velasquez, who go through and make sure that it, it sounds exactly the way we want to. So when, when we hit these hurdles of things, we cannot fathom how to make the audio a reality. We, <laughs> thankfully have their incredible guidance and more often than not their skill set to correct these problems. So 
while none of us are audio engineers, we are partnered with an incredible uh, array of them for when we need to. Yeah, you 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 um, you're incredibly lucky to be able to get to get them to 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 back you essentially. Because I mean, when I think about really good quality, uh, you know, audio dramas, I will think of like Curious Cast or Realm or even you know with Aaron Mankey with the Grim and Mild. I will always think of them and know that if you're going to get a show from any of those, you know that the quality is going to be there. Yeah. Yeah, and I think also when you, because there are so so many podcasts out there now and anyone can kind of make a podcast, right? You get a microphone, you have a laptop, you can edit on. I think it, it helps you stand out for sure. And you kind of, like you have to these days to make sure that your quality is good or else someone is just going to skip to the next podcast if they're... If they, we're, we're, in a, we're in, it's the, you know, only industry, it feels like, where we are in direct competition with Oscar winners and Oscar winning writers and these incredibly studio backed projects. And we get to play in the same field as them. uh, And we try our very best to try to sound as good as possible because we know what's, what else is out there. We know what your options are. And so we're, you know, we're thankful that we have the audience that we have their ears and that they're choosing to listen to us. Uh, and we try to respect that by making it sound as good as possible, even sometimes adding sipping noises for me drinking coffee, though it might annoy people. Uh, we try to you know, make that authentic and sound real and good. Well, we'll, we'll quickly, I'll quickly just say that, you know, what you were saying then was interesting because that's something that's come recently where on IMDb, you actually get now audio dramas on IMDb. And it's something that I think is as much as it's been questioned by some people and they go, well, should they really be on there? I think they should be because it is, it is acting. It's all, it's like a film, but in audio instead. Really? Oh, I, I think it should absolutely be on there. I mean, it's t- to me, it's like, like we've produced, as you said, we've produced live action series and stuff before. What we do right now is no different than no. producing a, uh, a live action project the only difference of course is that we don't bring a camera into where we are making the show right we we sit down we map out the season mike writes the script we go through a full pre-production phase we cast the show with auditions we record everything we edit it we tweak it we send it to the network network gives us notes like it's no different right it's the whole process so it's cool because it's also like if if anyone is thinking of making an audio drama or anyone that wants to get into the industry, like it's very much a, like a boot camp in terms of like learning along the way of how to do that. You know, if we switched this to, or if we, we ever got the opportunity to make this into a TV show, obviously there would be more people and a bigger team involved, of course, but we would still be doing the same thing. It would just be on a bigger scale and we would have actors on a, a, a real set. That's the only difference, right? We've got the added difficulty there with audio drama where you've got to think to yourselves, how can you put this across in sound? You haven't got the visuals to be able to fall back on to to show people like this is what's happening, this, this and this. So you've got that added thing of writing into the script and then acting out how you put that across without all that. So there's been a learning again the learning curve there because i've only written live action or cartoon i'd never written for the audio sphere so my initial scripts i would sometimes write these incredible descriptions and then the note from our network partner would just say how or why 
And I would say, oh, you, you know what? You're absolutely right. I have no idea how I'm going to make you hear that I'm, what I've described. And so that's why so much of our world now is we try to texture it. And we've got soundscapes for different areas of the facility that represent mm -hmm. different feelings we want you to have. And sometimes there are sounds that we've layered together and made, you know, a seven minute track of that we can utilize whenever. Uh, and sometimes it's wet tunnels and squeaky mice and drips and steam bursts. But yeah, I mean, what you've just said then, I've said to someone before when they were talking about background noise, it reminds me of when I used, when I've watched behind the scenes of, say, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and they were saying that on that spaceship, you might not notice, but they said on the back of the, in the background of the audio track, you can actually hear the hum of the station got turning around, apparently. And they've got that there in the background behind everything else, all the dialogue and all the sounds of the rooms that they're in. They've always got that same hum in the background that makes it that location. So to add that to it is something really good. Again, none of us are, are schooled in audio, but uh, if you're looking for, again, boot camp of how to do certain things, there's the special features of the Lord of the Rings extended edition. Yep. Peter Jackson, I don't know what they, why they decided to put as much information as they did in those special features but they're, they're wonderful learning tools. And they there's a whole section on Foley. And they said something that, you know, opened our eyes to how to make sound is that, you know, the shooting of an arrow isn't the shooting of an arrow. It's the pulling back of the string. It's the feathers. It's the zip in the air. It's the impact. It is all these separate sounds working in conjunction with each other. And because of that, that's what we use that tiny bit of schooling and how we layer our sounds going through is that a sound is never just one thing. It's a series of things that our brain interprets as a sound. And so it's, it's knowing that has made it much easier and uh, digestible about how to make some of these sound effects. That, that reminds me of Paul McCartney doing that for one of his songs. He used a bow and arrow to have the sound of a bow and arrow in one of his songs once. Which so is, cool. That is really cool. There he is in Abbey, Abbey Road just shooting a bow and arrow with the microphone, with like three microphones, I think, to pick the sounds up and then put them together. And that's that was really cool. that was 1970 with with eight track, yeah. Wow. Huh. So logo and sound. Uh, where where did where's that come from? The the music and the logo. Uh, music the logo. Have a, oh, go ahead. No, you do the music. You do the music. I was just going to say that I mean the music we have a because of our partnership with Curious Cast, we have access to the their licensed library of stuff. And so we stumbled across, did you find that song, Mike? Forbidden Fruit? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah Forbidden Fruit. I found Forbidden big, Fruit on, on that site and became obsessed. Yeah, it's a big part of the story now, of course, uh, and, and will continue to be a big part of the story. But that was just a, a song that Mike stumbled across in the huge library of licensed music that the chorus has access to. It's a great and, song. It is good. Yeah. Uh, it's and it's then always goes, played in my head. <laughs> And then the logo is, you know, we had some ideas. Uh, Mike drew a little sketch on a napkin or whatever. And and, the, and then, of course, they have a graphic design team. And we went through a bunch. I think I still have somewhere a bunch of the early logos. Some of them are kind of hilarious. But the new one is so great. And it was just like, you know, thematically, the, the vines and the tunnels sort of underneath the logo was really cool. And we've got the, the mountains of Colorado. And there's a plane in there and everything that we added to. So it's... Everything kind of like has a 
symbolic reason for being in that logo. And then every season we we tweak it a little bit, right? We change the the color scheme, but also we've added, you know, this past season we had the the robot arms coming over from the puncher. And um yeah, I'm excited to start talking about season four logo actually. So uh, that's gonna be coming up soon. Well, we've got we've got grand ideas. I've I've said it before that every season we're trying to coax you into the more ridiculous and we have to do it slowly. And we talk about those special extra episodes we have and those are primarily to educate our audience to so you know some of these conspiracy theories and have thought about them and because everything is kind of uh well connected yeah you did very well to survive against the puncher the puncher was a, a really fun fun incredibly fun uh voice to record with paul lazenby it was so great because he he just got to be completely unhinged and he is a hulking man uh, to begin with and him just unleashing on the microphone it was it was really fun to see and he's now playing doomsday in the superman and lois tv show which is really cool and just again like a testament to kind of some of the voice talent that we've been able to get for the show and you know not everyone is going to have access to that kind of voice talent when they're they're making a show but i think it just again it just kind of pushes us up another level when we have such and Sahel from the 100. And again, Adam Koslick is so great. I mean, Greta has really like kind of blown up since our show came out. Now she's doing all these shows and stuff. I, I knew she was going to be a, a big star, I think, when I first met her. But yeah, just so much great talent in the show. And um, and, and Paul's, I love the the way they modified the puncher's voice is so cool. It's so terrifying. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just playing with something like that was cool because we'd, we'd done you know, some creatures and stuff in the, in the first couple seasons. And so to have a more sort of sci-fi technology kind of robotic villain was really, was really cool too. Yeah. I'm Agent Scott and I'm Cam the Provocateur and we're from the Spy Hards podcast. That's right. And you are listening to Pods Like Us, the podcast that also has the Midas touch. Hi, this is Zach from Belated Binge Harry Potter, and you're listening to Pods Like Us. So before I get to this, I'll, I'll just ask, are there any standout moments from the show, you know, where you think that that was, you know, was really special about the show? Any moment at all? Tough question. Are you talking like like story, like story moments? Like, like story, or when, when you hit a certain mark and you thought, damn, we're there. Oh man. Yeah. I think a lot of those for sure in terms of just like, I mean, watching us kind of jump up the fiction charts was crazy just because again, like Mike said, we're like, it'll be like our show will be, you know, number two fiction and like John Hamm is number four or whatever. And this actor and you're sitting there thinking like, how is our show? Like we're just three dudes in Vancouver that have been to the Denver airport once uh, you know, like how are we, but it, I mean, it's the partnership with curious cast. They do a great job marketing the show. Uh, we got onto Chris Jericho's podcast late 2021. And that was a big thing that, that really boosted our numbers in the U S you know, even this past week, like doing the Denver seven, you know, ABC story, it was like, how many audio dramas have stories on, you know, a national news network, right? Like stuff like that's really cool. Um, the fan expos. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Mike, maybe you can mention some of the story stuff, but I just think some of the stuff, some of the the kind of milestones we've hit with the show like that is just kind of unbelievable because 
just from sitting down talking about this as an idea to being able to hit some of those milestones is just pretty surreal, right? And I guess for me, story-wise, it's not so much, I guess it's not what I see when they're recording. It's when I'm in the editing phase and I'm hearing a moment that I, I missed in person because of whatever reason I was stressed. I was thinking too much or I wasn't quite listening to what they were seeing. A lot of time I don't have headphones on while they're recording. I'm just standing near them, <laughs> staring at them, listening to them actually engage. But there's moments when I'm editing where I hear, hear a moment between uh, Greta and Brady that feels so real or honest that I'm actually moved to almost tears. Sometimes tears don't judge, but it's, it's, I think those moments are incredibly special because, you know, I'm involved so thoroughly in the process that it's hard to surprise me. And anytime I'm surprised in the show, it's, it's, it's been incredibly fulfilling. And I say it, and I've said it before so often it is so much better and different than it was in my head. You know, the actors bring their own jazz to it. I've, I have a rhythm with how I write, but everyone interprets that rhythm very differently. And it's, it's so fun to hear somebody come in and bring something wild to the character. Uh, uh, Sachin, this year with the captain, it, it brought this weird, weird energy to it that I was not expecting, but I fell in love with. And it happens so often when we have this special character come in and it, they their interpretation of the character is so different than what we expected, but for the better. I actually think that's one of the most fun things about producing is like, you know, we sit, we map out the story, you know, we read the scripts, we do the pre-production. And then we, when you do casting, it's like, you get to see all these actors interpret the character. And then when you see like the one, like, for example, Adam Koslick, he's, he's in the show. He's so great as Alan, but we fell in love with him on paper champions because he played Ron, the referee. And uh, if you haven't seen that show, it's on Tubi and he um, he just brought this like thing to the audition where he was just so all of us were just like, oh, my God, this dude is like he he elevated the character 10 times above what we even thought it could be. Right. So you get an actor like that. And, and that's the same thing. I just think like the cast that we have on the show is so amazing. Cammy Bruder from from Los Angeles played uh, plays Palmer in the show. And I mean, actually, that's one of my favorite moments in the show. Speaking of it is when Palmer gets ripped in half by Bigfoot, which is awesome. Um, but he he just same thing. He just brings this like sort of menacing villain to the show. And then Sachin, like Mike was saying, he brought a very different kind of more eccentric villain to the captain in, in the new season. And then you have Paul Lazenby as the puncher, who's just terrifying. And like you have this nice juxtaposition of these different types of villains. And I think when you're doing it in audio, like you just, you need a little bit, you have to exaggerate that a little bit, right? Because we don't get to see different looks of them. So we have to play with the voices a bit, but, and then the cast is just like, just leveled that up so much. So, I mean, what, what's, what advice would you give to people then if they were wanting to create a show themselves when it comes to creating and writing, what advice would you give? I think for us, uh, Personally, for me, as an actor, I my advice to people is always to, as much as possible, try to use actual actors because you can feel the difference. I think some people, when they do a fiction podcast, they just think, well, my friends can voice the characters or whatever. And sometimes that works a little bit. But typically, you know, wherever you live, I mean, first of all, it doesn't really matter where you live because you can get people to record voices from wherever. 
there are all sorts of casting websites where you can post a casting notice for free. You can post that the role is volunteer. Uh, there are many people out there looking to just build their reels and stuff like that. So you don't have to worry about money if that's an, an issue. Um, of course, there is not a lot of money in making podcasts, so you, you may not uh, have a budget anyway, so that's fine. Um, so, you know, don't be afraid to post a casting notice on one of those websites or something, because I just think that, you know, trained actors bring a, another layer to it that, that you may miss out on if you're just sort of bringing in your friends and family, unless, unless your friends and family happen to be talented actors, in which case go ahead and use them. But, um, and then I think also, you know, before, before you jump in, Mike, I, I think also just, just going out and just doing it, just making it happen. I think, you know, Mike will, will attest to like one of the things that I think that I do well is I just make things happen. I just don't, if I have an idea and I'm passionate about something, I just don't take no for an answer. I, I just go out and do it and make it happen. And this show without all of us doing that wouldn't have, have happened because we've just sort of put the pedal to the metal and just grinded for the last few years. And now we're seeing that success and hopefully that success will transform into other things, transfer to other things, but yeah, just, just do it. If you're passionate about it, you want to do it. Like, like I said, anyone can make a podcast now. So this is the best time to, to get creative and do it. And my advice is almost the exact same. It's literally just do it. I mean, it's, if you're not worried about, don't worry about being successful. Just tell your story the way you want to tell it. Uh, especially if it's a unique story, you'll find an audience. It might not be millions, but you'll find a great audience that will appreciate and love the product and follow you along with it. But tell your story, get it out there. There's no fear that uh, it's not necessary, right? So there's no failure. The, the act of completion is the success. And, you know, I've partnered with wonderful people because I am a, an artist. <laughs> I, I, I get satisfaction in the doing. So I'm not, I'm less concerned about the product because I've already scratched my itch, but to have people behind you that are pushing for the product that, you know, completion matters by simply doing it. You've separated yourself from so many people who are just going to give up along the way. And so it's just, just do it because literally getting it done is the success. If you find an audience, all the better, that's gravy, you know, but it's, it, it's just getting it done already separates you from the masses. And also prepare for your first few things might not be great. I mean, I think about like, you know, Mike and Matt and I have been working together for eight or nine years, but even before that, when I, you know, I live in Vancouver, but I, I was living in Alberta before I produced a couple different web series of my own. And I could look back at those now and be like, Oh my God, like they're so bad. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know anything about, I, I had been in some pro film and TV projects, but I didn't know anything about making my own. I was learning along the way. I didn't go to film school. And so you look back at that now and, you know, even our, our, our early projects, you know, we, we will sit and watch them back and be like, Oh, we should have done this differently. We should have, but also you can't stress too hard about that because that's how you learn, right? You learn by doing, right? So if you create your own audio drama and it's, you're not super happy with it or whatever. So it's okay. Just keep, you know, do the next one. You learn every time you do it, right. You have to, you have to sort of um, keep falling over so you can keep getting up and learning from that. Right. That's the only way to do it in this business. And um, you're just going to face it insurmountable amount of rejection, but uh, at some point you will, you will prevail somehow. Right. I mean, it's just, uh, 
you just have to, because there's so many people chasing this thing that we're, we're chasing. And um, the only way to, to do it is just to, just to do it. And so that's the only thing you can do, right? So with how busy you are, do, do you get, do you actually get the time to listen to any podcast yourselves? And what do you listen to? Uh, I listen, I don't listen to a great deal of audio dramas since we started making the audio drama. Cause I certainly, I want to make sure that my perspective is my own and I don't, I don't want to be too influenced uh, by what's out there. I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts and movie podcasts. I mean, yeah. Doug loves movie. I think Doug loves movies. I've been listening to for 15 years uh, and out of Vancouver, there's a, a fun local uh, comedy duo who essentially have a podcast called stop podcasting yourself. But it's wonderful because I, for me as a comedy dork, I get to hear about all the local comedians that are touring and keep up to date on that. So it's primarily comedy for me. Yeah. yeah and, and for me, um, same thing. I do listen to some fiction podcasts. Uh, I have, have listened to quite a few. I'm not currently really listening to much. I was listening to the new Sandman um, fiction, po- the the adaptation of Sandman, Neil Gaiman, Sandman, yeah. uh, a little bit of the Batman one, the audio uh, tapes of Batman. Um, uh, of course, yeah, Blackout, Welcome at Night Vale, lots of those. But currently, currently, I mostly listen to a lot of wrestling, mixed martial arts, news, science, uh, you know, talk podcasts like that. Also, because I sometimes don't want to be too influenced by what other people are doing or change what we are doing based on what other people are doing. But yeah, I mean... My wife just is driven insane by the me playing wrestling podcasts all day, just listening to the news on the wrestling world. But and of course, I listen to our own show yeah. on repeat Maybe all never. the time, just re-listens to season two. So yeah, yeah. They say but you're supposed I, to just um, put it on in the background and yeah, just leave it on just, all day. <laughs> just let it play so you can get that you know one cent in ad revenue or something like that. Yep. So where where can people find you and get hold of you then? So on Twitter and Instagram, it's just at Escaping Denver. We have an email to the narrator, and you will actually get a response from the narrator at EscapingDenverPod at gmail.com, EscapingDenverPod at gmail.com. If you have theories or anything about the show, there is a subreddit, which we did not create, but uh, we we look at and read uh, r slash Escaping Denver, I believe is the subreddit. Uh, I am on Instagram and Twitter at Brady Malibu, which is my wrestling name. And Mike is Instagram. Uh, my Instagram, Instagram, I believe is how to run with underscores underneath them. Uh, but I am not a very, very fun follow for sure. <laughs> I post once a year when we're, we're at a, a fan expo. I'll, I'll get better at it. You know what? I will get better at it. Please follow me at how yep. underscore to underscore run. I'll get better at this. There you go. Um, well, is, is that a New Year's resolution then, Mike? It's a just now resolution. It's a just now because saying that I'm bad at social media feels like something I can fix. <laughs> anyway, thanks for speaking with me today, guys. Thanks so much, Martin. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you very much for having Thank us. Thank you very much. You can find pods like us on any streaming platform uh, and we're also on Twitter, which is now called X to some people, um, threads, Instagram and TikTok. And you can contact us through pods like us at gmail.com. 
Anyway, thank you everyone for listening and hope you listen again to another episode of Pods Like Us. Thank you.